the number one investor in small business is credit card debt. Debt is a wonderful thing. People think debt is so bad, you got to be cash. No, debt is great because number one, it's really hard to get cash when you're a startup. And number two is if I can finance $10 because that $10 is going to make me $20, why in the world would you not want to do that? What's up, everybody? I'm Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual, and this is Organized Chaos. As always, we're taking a page from other leaders' playbooks so that you can put it into your own as you build yours. And you just heard from Zachary Green. This episode is all about the warrior's journey. Zachary Green is a serial entrepreneur and the founder of two successful startups, including LumaWare and Foxfire. His products are now used by over 80,000 firefighters and are in three of the nation's largest retailers, in addition to being carried by the Home Depot. Zachary is a U.S. Marine Corps veteran, former lieutenant with his local fire department, and his book, Warrior Entrepreneur, just came out late 2021 as an Amazon bestseller. Really cool guy, and what I loved about this story is he talked about just growing from the humble beginnings, you know, in Paris Island and through his Marine training to a amazing 30 million plus in revenue and VC is wanting to invest in his business. He hit rock bottom in the middle there. And I want you to listen to hear that story about how he developed his unfair business advantage. And he used that to propel himself forward. He also had a really cool story about financing the company with debt, which is something a lot of people can be scared about, but listen to his logic on how he talks about what he did. And he talked about distribution. My favorite example was how uh, he talked about bottled water and how this is something that literally only exists because it has great marketing and distribution. So hear how he took a lesson from bottled water and got into Home Depot, among other stores. Great episode. Take a listen. Welcome back, everyone, to Organized Chaos. I'm your host, Chris Ronzio, and today we have with us Zachary Green. Hey, Zachary. Hey, Chris. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. I'm, I'm a big fan of yours and your, your show and really honored to get a chance to uh, spend some time with you today. Oh, well, thank you so much. All right. Well, I, I just want to dig into your story because it's, it's such an interesting story. And I've heard you on other shows and speaking before. I know you've done even a, a TED event, right? So you've got a, a phenomenal story. You are a veteran. You're a former volunteer firefighter. And you turn into a really successful entrepreneur, which is such a cool trajectory. So let's dive into it. I know you call it your your warrior's journey. So can we unpack that starting at the beginning? Certainly. So, you know, I wrote a book about a year ago. It came out just a few months ago and I wanted it to be an autobiography. And as I was talking to my editor, he's like, I'm sorry, man. He goes, but nobody other than your wife and your mom wants to read your autobiography. Unless your name's <laughs> Beyonce or something famous, no one's going to read it. So they said, why don't you tell what made you who you are? And as I started to reflect on my life, I realized that the common theme has been learning from adversity and challenge. So my adversity and challenge starts at a very young age, um, very significant ADHD, uh, very significant dyslexia, learning problems. I went to about eight different schools from kindergarten all the way through high school. 
And wow. I had a lot of teachers and administrators basically say, look, you're never going to amount to anything. You're going to be a failure. You're not going to do well in life. And instead of that hurting me, that actually motivated me. It made me want to show them all that they were wrong and that I had this greatness ahead of me. Um, and it's funny because it's called ADHD in school, but when you get out of school, it's called multitasking. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, this guy's a great energetic multitasker. You know, any great entrepreneur has got to be able to do multiple things at once. So it's it's one of those things that, you know, it does get better if, if we're talking to some students out there that are challenging. You can use those um, disabilities, I say, as superpowers to be able to do things that other people maybe can't be able to do. So I've always had a deep love for our country, even deeper love for the Marine Corps, always at a very young age, wanted to do that and found myself uh, down at Paris Island, arguably, uh, you know, the Marine Corps Recruit Depot, arguably one of the toughest, most difficult uh, trainings of any branch of the military in a, in a really godforsaken place of Paris Island, South Carolina. And what I learned was um, I struggled a lot during recruit training, as a lot of people did. But there were certain kids that just flourished down in, in, at boot camp. And the common thread was those were the ones that really had a tough life growing up. The kids that grew up in the coal mines of West Virginia, the projects in New Orleans, the mean streets of Boston, Philadelphia. Um, I lived in a pretty upper class neighborhood, parents that really gave me virtually everything in my life. And so for me, it was a real struggle not having my parents there and the fact that we were all equal. And so again, as that warrior journey starts, they already had their hardship. They had their adversity and they were able to flourish. Got yeah. out of the Marine Corps. Um, two years later, September 11th happened, affected me wow. very deeply as it did all of us. Um, I felt guilty that I had left the Marine Corps and my brothers and sisters were still taking the fight to the enemy. So I joined our local volunteer fire department um, as a way to give back and continue to serve. Um, now, at this point in time, my full-time job was at Eli Lilly. I was in brand development and marketing, learned a lot about solution selling rather than feature and benefit selling. And I got lost in a fire very early on in my career. It was a horrifying experience. You know, I'm down to 20 minutes of air, can't see my hand in front of my face. Finally found my way out of the building and I'm talking to my captain. I'm almost in tears. I'm so upset. And he starts making fun of me. And he's like, look, that's normal. You've got to get used to being in that darkness or you're not going to be lasting in fire service too long. And that really hit me because I'm thinking like, no, this is a real problem and we should find a solution to this problem. And I remember this glow-in-the-dark material we used back when I was in the Marines on the back of our helmets to see each other in the dark. And I found a way with some brilliant scientists and developers to put this into firefighter gear and into helmets and tools. Made a prototype. Everybody could see the glow-in-the-dark material as I was working my way down the dark hallway, and they'd start buying them as soon as I'd get outside. Um, over the next six months, I went from fire station to fire station, selling it out of the trunk of my car. Um, what I would do is go into a fire station and say, hey, Chris, my name is Zach. I'm a firefighter from Cincinnati. Can we go in the bathroom and turn the lights off together? And if they didn't beat me up, they were like, oh, this shit's pretty cool. you know." And the reason <laughs> I did that is I wanted to show them that disorientation that we all encounter when we go into a fire. And instead of focusing on the features and benefits of the material, I show them, hey, here's a light reference point to see your way out of the dark. 
And almost every time I would sell out everything I brought, make 5,000 bucks in six months. I go to this big trade show. Um, in the trade show, uh, we did a hundred thousand dollars of sales in three days. I just had a small problem so from five, from 5,000 in six months to a hundred thousand in, three in days. a few days. So this was, the and, and what's the price point on these things? Uh, they ranged anywhere from 20 to a hundred dollars. We had a portfolio of about five or six different products. Um, wow. so you're I, moving some volume. Well, no, I just sold those. I hadn't even produced them yet. And that was the oh, problem. Okay. I had no money to buy the raw materials. I had no production capability to process those orders. I had no way to distribute them and sell, sell them. And all my buddies were like, dude, you got to stop taking orders. You know, this is getting on the verge of almost being unethical because you know there's no way you can fill these. And I'm like, BS, I'm a Marine and we accomplish our mission no matter what. I will figure it out. And I did. I now it got ugly. I had to refinance my home, max out my credit cards, convince my wife that rating our 401k was the right thing to do, because if I could just pay the money to, to get the raw materials, I could process this order. We did. We shipped it. We got it all worked out. More orders started to come in um, and it started the cycle of selling, practically selling myself out of business. Because sales does not equal cash. Uh, revenue does not equal cash. When you get paid, that equals cash. Over the next couple of years, um, I grew it into about a $30 million revenue company um, over the next 10 years. But uh, there was a lot of ups and downs along the way. And um, that's hopefully something we can unpack as we continue to talk here. And those warrior tactics, those warrior traits is what not only help me survive, but also flourish and, and, and build a, a $30 million revenue company. Wow. What a story. Okay. Well, there's a lot to dig into here. So the, the first place I want to go is when you were joining the Marines, when you're in Paris Island, which I've been to Paris Island, I went there for a graduation, my, my brother-in-law and, 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 uh, when you're going through that, did you think at some point I want to be an entrepreneur? Did you always have that in the, in the back of your head to be looking out for those kind of problems to solve? You know, at boot camp, the only thing I thought of is how I'm going to get through the next hour. I didn't even think about <laughs> what was going on after that. I just wanted to to survive. But I will tell you, as a very very early age, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. When I was literally like six or seven, um, that was one of the things that I wanted to do. Um, in the Marine Corps, it was about first it was about survival and then it was about how can you flourish and grow and and be successful and that that building steps you know the they break you down those first couple of weeks it's brutal i mean brutal um and then they start to build you back up and even though each week gets progressively more and more difficult it feels easier because you're getting more in tune to that new way of life and you're using all that adversity that happened in the previous week to grow and be better prepared for that next step that was going to happen in that training evolution. And so there's there's a little bit of a parallel, right, probably to the entrepreneurial challenges you faced as you were growing the business up to the 30 million plus in, in revenue. You talked about the ups and downs, but it's almost like as you solve one business problem, that makes you a little more confident for the next problem and the next problem and the next week. Do you think that that 
ability to bounce back and and move forward came from your experience in the Marine Corps? Well, it's not a little bit. It's it's a hundred percent related to each other. What I learned in the Marine Corps, if I did out in the civilian world, I I spent a lot of time in prison. Um, what I what I can do is take those intangibles: grit, tenacity, teamwork, courage, uh, persistence, and apply those tools. What we learn in the Marine Corps is that you can accomplish anything as long as you've got the right team and you've got the right attitude. Um, and if you can't accomplish it, you're willing to die just to, to make that process. Um, and that's really taking that to entrepreneurship. The number one thing you need as an entrepreneur is grit. It is ungodly difficult. I have been brought to my knees and had difficulty in entrepreneurship that was nowhere close to, than the worst experience that happened in the fire service and as a Marine Corps infantryman. So yeah, it's 100% related. So, so the grit was, was instilled in you, was baked into your DNA through that process. And then when you leave the the Marine Corps, you go to Eli Lilly and you, you, you touched on this really quickly, but the, the idea of branding and solution, looking for solutions instead of uh, instead of focusing on uh, on features and things like that, how how, how long were you there? Um, about ten years. So, and and was it all working in marketing? No, I, I you know, and those big corporations, you only got jobs for like a year or two, and then you move on to another assignment. So, it was sales. It eventually was sales management, then sales training, and then um, got to do some brand work around marketing leadership development. And then my last assignment was strategy and development where we were kind of changing the way that drug reps interact with physicians. And through that time, were you volunteering as a firefighter or those happened at the same time? Yep. Yep. And, and so almost kind of literally the, the light bulb goes off or the light goes off, you know, that, that there's this problem that you have experience in that you can solve. And so you glazed over this in the story, but, uh, you know, you remembered the, the paint that you used and how to turn this into a product, but a lot of people would stop there. A lot of people would say, huh, I have a product idea, maybe tell a friend or something, but then not go into the R and D and building it. And so, so what were your first couple steps of actually turning this into a, a real business? So I always tell people there's three questions that every entrepreneur has to answer or that an investor has to have answered. And it really directly answers the question you just asked. The first one is, have you solved a problem in a unique and elegant way? At the end of the day, it's about solving problems. We don't need something that's not solving a problem. The ultimate goal of a sales rep is not to be a sales rep, but is to be a trusted advisor, to be a consultant. And if you can show someone they have a problem that they don't even know, and you show you have a solution to that problem, that's when great things happen. The second thing you need to do is have an unfair competitive business advantage. Now, I didn't say illegal or unethical, but it's got to be unfair. Go back to your Sunday school of talking about David and Goliath. David beat Goliath for a couple of reasons. Number one, he didn't do what Goliath said. So if we're, you and I have a business and we're competing against this big, large corporation, they're going to say, no, this is the way you get done. Well, you and I like to break rules and do things differently and do things faster, just like what David did. 
So he didn't come to Goliath because that's what Goliath wanted. He would have ripped him apart. He stayed away. Then he said, looked, and he goes, what are this guy's weaknesses? Well, he's slow. He doesn't have good vision. He doesn't have good dexterity. And here's a great tool I can use, the sling, to take him down. So that's what you need to think of with that unfair advantage. So what was my unfair advantage? Well, ultimately, it was about exit signs. There's 100 million exit signs in the United States. They all need batteries, light bulbs, and electricity. There's a loophole in the code that says that they don't have to be electrified as long as it's visible in the dark. Well, you can use glow-in-the-dark materials to do that. Who inspects the exit signs? The firefighters. Now, I've got over 100,000 firefighters in 25 countries. I spent a lot of time marketing myself as a celebrity entrepreneur, testifying in front of Congress, going to the White House, getting featured on Yahoo's front page as the firefighter entrepreneur. So when I would call up the local fire department in Arizona because they just failed your inspection because your exit signs that I sold you didn't have batteries, I could say, hey, you know that glow-in-the-dark you have on your helmet? Uh, by the way, that was my company. I'm a fellow brother. Hey, can you look at this section of the code and, and get this approved? And, and almost every time it worked. So that was that my unfair advantage. Um, another unfair advantage could be you invented this paper coffee cup and it's got an automatic heater in it and you got a one-year exclusivity with Starbucks. These are the type of things we need to think about. Now, the third one's the most important. You got to have kick-ass sales, marketing, and distribution. I mean, it's got to be good because you can take a really bad product and put good distribution and marketing behind it and you're going to do very well. You can also take a great product. If nobody knows about it and they don't have access to it, they're not going to do well. And I think the greatest example in the world is something you see practically every day, bottled water. It's free. It's water. And it's probably a hundreds of billion dollar industry because at every grocery store, at every um, gas station, at every soccer game, there's bottled water because their distribution was great. Now, the reality is I would venture almost every place you can buy bottled water, you can get free water. Um, but it's this distribution and marketing behind it. And they talk about this water is better than that water. BS. Water is water. I don't care. It's going to taste a little bit here and there. It's still just water. Um, so those are those three things that, that I really utilized, that I really thought about and really cut my teeth on. And, and focused on building my company around that and not the product itself. So did you have this platform, this kind of celebrity firefighter thing at the beginning of the company? Or is that something you recognized as a key advantage as you were growing the company? No, I built to it. Develop this platform? I made it myself. And anybody can do that right now with the power of the internet. The first thing yeah. I did is I wanted to not focus on glow in the dark, but really highlight the problem of disorientation and lack of accountability on the fire ground and zero visibility environments. I wrote blogs. I wrote articles that got published in the firefighter papers. I was a guest on podcasts. I went to a dozen trade shows a year and lectured on this type of stuff. I um, had a PR agency that got me a ton of Press. I had a lobbyist that got me in with several people on Capitol Hill that ultimately yielded me meetings to the White House and testify in front of Congress. And that kind of built itself up. And I became an expert in that field by making myself an expert in that field. And it's something that mm -hmm. literally anybody can do.
And it's really easy to do now with the power of social media. They just have to have the grit that you have, which, you know, I don't think a lot of people probably uh, would hear this and go build the kind of platform that you did. It's a special it's a special type of dedication to actually invest in writing all those blogs and making those relationships. And so if someone's just kind of listening to this and thinks, oh, I'm not a good writer or I'm not a, you know, I I, I don't record videos. What would you say to them? Uh, You're not cut out to be an entrepreneur then. so the, the entrepreneur is the someone that lives their life like most people couldn't imagine so they can live a life that most people never could. Um, I will also pull up a big BS flag and throw it right in their face if they say they can't do it because they can find somebody. One of the greatest websites on the internet is called Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. It is a combination of, of all these gigs that you can get anything from someone to write the blog for you. Someone can create the website for you, your logo for you. They can uh, advertise and get more people to watch your podcast and everything on it's like five or $10. Some stuff can get a little pricier, but for the most part, it's super, super inexpensive. So you can use those tools and outsource them. If you don't have the money to do it, then do it yourself. If you don't want to do it yourself and you don't have the money, find a way to get money. Charge your credit cards. The number one investor in small business is credit card debt. Debt is a wonderful thing. People think debt is so bad, you got to be cash. No, debt is great because number one, it's really hard to get cash when you're a startup. And number two is if I can finance $10 because that $10 is going to make me $20, why in the world would you not want to do that? I 100% agree with you. I think a lot of people are scared of debt. They think of it as a a bad word, but it's really how you leverage it. And like you said, if you can multiply the money and get a return, then you'd you'd keep pushing that button all day, right? Well, look, I, you know, let's say that you have a 50% profit margin on whatever it is that you sell and your credit cards are 19%, which sounds like a lot of interest. It is. You're still netting 31% by using that credit card debt to be able to get you more money to get in to build those products. Um, so again, I people just don't yeah. understand that concept a lot. And that's assuming you don't get paid for a year and you have to pay that whole interest. So I, there's a lot to unpack here. And uh, we've shot other videos about this. Trainual, I started Trainual with credit cards for the first two years and, and grew that business. So I'm, I, I agree with you. It's a powerful thing. When you were starting your business, you mentioned, you know, you tapped into the 401k and you pull in you know, the equity in your house and all this, the credit cards. Um, did you continue to bootstrap the business or at some point did you raise money? Um so there's three ways that you're going to cap capitalize. Um, first one is is your personal uh, bootstrapping. The next one would be debt, and debt could be bank debt. It could be credit card debt. Now, the good thing about debt is um, if you become really successful, you don't have to share it with anybody else. The bad thing about debt is you do have to pay it back. Um, they will <laughs> collateralize it. They will send you to collections. They will repossess your house, your car, or whatever. Then that third one is venture capital. And the beauty of venture capital is you don't have to pay it back. Um, if you fail, well, it's a risk. But if you're successful, they're going to share in that success with you. And one thing a lot of entrepreneurs want to do is say, well, I want control or I want to have this big thing. Well, 
the reality is, is um, it's much better to have a small piece of a large pie than a large piece of a small pie. And it's okay to get lose control. I lost some of my control, not total control, but these people at the end of the day, it's all about making money. You know, they, that there are going to be parts that you're going to see something that, that, or they're going to see something you don't see and they're going to help, you know, as your partner um, because they did put a bigger risk out there giving you that money and they deserve to have a say in what you do. Yeah. And so at some point you brought on venture capital and did it uh, make a big impact in the business in terms of your scale or your distribution? Um, all the above, but it also made the biggest difference in me and the way that I managed and led the company. Now, if we go back to that warrior's journey, there's there's really three steps to the warrior's journey. The first one is adversity and challenge. That is going to be the concept of iron sharpens iron. We think in society as you have hardship and difficulty that that's a bad thing. No, that's a good thing. You learn from that and you grow from it. As the philosopher Nietzsche says, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, so that's interesting. So then at some point in time, we're going to have a crucible. And that crucible is that crisis, the biggest moment of your life, that point where your forward, forward trajectory just is not going to get you through this. Now, that crucible could be death of a family member. It could be a divorce. It could be a drug or alcohol problem. In my case, it was thinking that I was going to run out of business and, and potential going into bankruptcy. In that crucible, in that crisis, a couple of things are going to happen. First of all, every option is a viable option when you're in that crisis. And some people could say suicide is an option. You would never consider that outside of that crisis, but that's what happens to people. You, you put that on the table. Another example could be remortgaging your house or selling your company or doing, I mean, these are all crises that come up that, that you have to build with that. And at the bottom of that crucible is um, the abyss. And in the abyss stands for darkness and death and, and giving up. Now, you have to respect the abyss and honor the abyss, but don't spend too much time at the abyss. That same philosopher Nietzsche has a wonderful quote where he says, and if you spend too much time staring at the abyss, the abyss will stare back. And what he really means is then at that point in time, it's going to literally consume you um, in that abyss. Stuck now, you in. The yeah. example would be you're walking your dog down the street and there's a big uh, freeway right next to the sidewalk. Well, you know, if you go into that freeway, you're going to die. That's the abyss. Don't spend too much time worried about it, or you're not going to be able to focus on walking your dog, but, but recognize it, honor it, respect it. To get through that crucible, you have to do two things. You have to transform and you have to conquer it. So conquering it is getting rid of all those bad things that put you into that and transforming is making sure you're never getting back to that place. So where does this come into what we were talking about before? My transformation occurred when um, I was in my crucible and I realized the reason the company was failing was I was micromanaging, I wasn't delegating, and in the financial capacity, we were making great money. We were just didn't have a lot of cash and we got over leveraged. We had a situation where um, we had a big customer that didn't pay us on time. I had a lot of bills that we had to pay. I wasn't keeping track of it the way I should have. I wasn't listening to my CFO. And my transformation was I resigned as CEO from the company I started. I brought in a real high-powered, good, experienced CEO. And that was how we got through that. 
And I will tell you, most founders and entrepreneurs are really bad CEOs. And most of the reason that companies fail is because the founder doesn't get out of the way of the growth of the company. The skill set to be a founder is vastly different than the skill set to be a CEO or president. Yeah, I, it's true. I, I've talked to a lot of people and only a few of them have had that kind of moment of self-awareness where they say, I'm not the right leader for this company anymore. And a lot of people can try to lead their companies to a fault past where they're really the best person for the job. Um, I know today you're not as operationally involved in the day to day. Is that right? Correct. And so what do you think were the most important people or systems or infrastructure that you put in place to enable you to successfully step out of that role and for the company to continue to thrive? So there's this great management process out there called EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System. Gino Wickman's the founder of it. Just Google any of his books. The book that really did it for me was one called Rocket Fuel. Now, rocket fuel is just kerosene and oxygen. Either one of them on their own is not that powerful. But when you mix those two together, it, it, you can get you to the moon. And the concept was, is you have an integrator and a visionary. The visionary is the big picture idea. They're the, maybe the face of the company. They're the ones that work on the big relationships. The integrator works in the business. They're making sure the blocking and tackling is happening, HR, financials, all those type of things. And I was trying to act not just as the integrator, but below the integrator, you have sales marketing, you have operations, you have finance. I was trying to do all those when the reality is I should just focus on being a visionary. And let me explain how this worked out tremendously well for us, because we had this little thing called COVID that just happened all of a sudden. And at that point in time, I was exclusively the visionary. That gave me the freedom to be able to say, okay, where are we going to go next? Because we can't keep doing things we used to. We can't even go in and call on offices anymore. And I was able to take the plexiglass we were using for the exit signs and cut them larger. And through my relationships with what I did as a visionary, um, we got in with Home Depot and, and literally overnight became Home Depot's number one distributor of COVID protector products. That first wow. year of COVID was our best year we've ever had in the history of the company. Wow. And all because you gave yourself that space to be the visionary and you surrounded yourself with that team and that structure. So big fan of EOS. If anyone's listening, you can look up my episode with Gino Wickman uh, on the, the podcast here. And uh, he's a, a great guy. So thank you for sharing that tip, Zachary. Um, all right. You mentioned your book briefly, Warrior Entrepreneur, came out September of last year, 2021, and instantly became a multiple category Amazon bestseller. So uh, anything else people should know about that book so they could go pick it up? No, I mean, obviously get it at Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Um, if you want to go onto my website, which is the name of the book, warriorentrepreneurbook.com, type in the code podcast2021. You can get 50% off. And I'm also uh, more than happy to inscribe it and uh, give you a message in there, um, handwritten message if you'd like also. So cool. Thank you for that. Well, everyone listening, check out Zachary's book, Warrior Entrepreneur. Go to warriorentrepreneurbook.com, put in the message like he said, and uh, and learn more about his journey, which we really only scratched the surface on today. But Zachary, thank you so much for being here, for sharing so openly, for telling your story. And I think it was a great reminder of 
great products, great business ideas coming out of each person's journey. And you kind of don't know when you're going to walk into that dark room and have that great idea. But if you're open to it, if you're looking for solutions, and if you're ready to act on those ideas, you can make a great business. So thank you for sharing your story here today. Great. Thank you, Chris. And thank you for what you do for all our fellow entrepreneurs. Hey, thanks for listening to Organize Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe or leave a review and share it with anyone in your network that you think could use the information. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on social at Chris Ronzio on all platforms. And you can find Trainual at Trainual, just like a training manual. We'll see you next time.